Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets have surprisingly managed to lean on their offense early in the season. But is it sustainable if they want to be long-term successful this year? We dive in on the numbers coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And Doug, I got to tell you, if you said that the Nets would be 6-7, and seven, 13 games through the season, some real vibes about them, I don't think either one of us would have suggested the offense has been the majority of the reason why they're here. We're going to get into some of the stats about it, but is this a sustainable model? Can this be an offensive core that drives this Nets team to success? Yeah, like we said, we talked about the defense at length yesterday and sort of the things that we thought were maybe, you know, things that could improve, things that we were just a little bit worried about. And like you said, with the offense, we're in an interesting spot where the, where the Nets are right now because I don't think many well, I should. I don't want to talk for everybody. I did not think that this offense would be like that prolific of an offense just based on the personnel they had. I thought they could probably, you know, tread water, be above average, but I just didn't think really in the modern NBA that they were totally built to be like sort of high powered. And so far during the season, I mean, if you look at different just sort of offensive ratings or offensive efficiency in terms of offensive efficiency, they ranked they rank eleventh in terms of overall offensive rating. They rank tenth, and I think. For me personally, and I think I think I'm probably speaking for you as well. That is coming as a surprise to me, and I do think there's a world where it's mostly sustainable, though it's going to be rely on a few other things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I I think it's sustainable, and I agree with everything that you mentioned there in terms of being surprised here early in the year. The one thing that I would that I think I would pose the question back to you and for myself is. You know, Cam Thomas has been injured and okay. If he returns, then that's going to be a big factor. And we could discuss that. My only real concern here is that at the moment, the Nets have relied on one of the things that we think is a positive, which is, hey, next man up, guy comes in off the bench, right? Fills the void. Dorian Finney-Smith, Lonnie Walker the fourth has been the early season revelation. Can you depend on a guy that's shooting 46% from beyond the arc, right? A guy that's averaging career highs across the board. Now, maybe this is, the Nets lucked into or or smartly, as Sean Marks has done in the past, went out to the market and found a guy that nobody else was really concerned about giving a significant contract to, and they're going to reap the benefits. But if any of these one elements comes back down to earth, including Cam Thomas getting back on the court and not being a 25-plus point scorer, then our attention turns to a lot of different areas I think that this team maybe has been able to gloss over so far. Yeah, and I think that's you know part of like sort of what we're saying is that I think that on a high level, when when you look at the offensive efficiency based on who they have and what they've done, I, I think that there are there's a world where you can see it sort of repeat. But like you said, there's been a part of this offense that has relied at some point you probably have relied too much on guys you didn't expect it from. Now it's all nice stories, and I think that it's it's good, but there's sort of a reason the expectation level on a few of these guys was on the lower side, right? Like time in the league, sort of what we've seen from them in the past. And when you actually look at some of the numbers that the Nets are rolling with, 
you know, specifically, let's start with Lonnie Walker. I actually am a little bit worried that Lonnie Walker has carried sort of much more of this offense than we have even given that we've even given time to. He's been so good yeah. that I and in a way that probably isn't totally sustainable. I think it's like moderately sustainable. Um, and it's not all just complete, you know, run hotter than the sun kind of stuff. But he's on, you know, 5146 splits right now in terms of, you know, field goals and three point percentage. That's a kind of at a little bit of way more volume than anyone thought, like yeah. career high in, in field goal attempts, career high in three point attempts, career, not a career high in minutes, uh, just as, as worth noting on that. Um, and obviously the field goal percentage and the three point percentage are uh, are his career highs as well. There's a world where that is as, actually masking some of this. And it's just simply I think he's he's a great signing. It's a great underreported story about how good he's been. He, you can't reasonably just go look at these numbers and say he's going to keep being like this for over the right. course of an 82 game season. The reason we know that is because he just has a pretty long track record of being basically the same guy <laughs> over, uh, which is about 36% from three, about 43 to 44% from the field, right? Like, and so when you just have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of minutes in the books already on, on something like that there's a world where you have to see it sustainable. Now, look, we'll go off and talk about the guys they don't have right now and how they could be coming back and, and fill some of it, fill the void again too. But I just want to kind of pay notion, like sort of, it's not even damning with fame praise. It's just saying, let's just look at this realistically. Lonnie Walker has played way more than we thought he was going to and played way better than even reasonable assumptions could have, could have thought. And that is in a lot of ways, like carrying a lot of what they, yeah, and I think specifically with Lonnie Walker, too, and maybe with this team overall, the hard thing for me early days is to not take away the the, the enjoyment and the excitement of yes. watching guys overperform, right, and watching them help help the team overachieve. Because in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, what, are we going to be there? You know, 20 more games, 30 more games from now. So there are some key players, I think, when you get beyond the nice surprises that actually do have to hit their mark, that actually do need to find a way to be the offensive players we thought that they were going to be. So we'll get into a couple of those guys here in just a moment and, and why we think that they obviously can be that for Brooklyn. But you know that our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd. We've been telling you about this to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. So whether you're prepping for your daily draft or scouting on the waiver wire, every week you know that we're going to be providing you with the players that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. So Dugster. Let's take a look at some of those picks this week on eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Yeah, look, if you're rolling through fantasy this week, there's a couple really, really good ones that you actually really want to have your eye on uh, pretty strongly. If you've been playing, if you're playing in some deeper leagues, you've already known that South Yaldama is, uh, he could be, I'm not going to call him a league winner, but now that the Grizz completely stink and can't seem to keep anyone healthy, this guy's playing huge minutes. He did 17 and 10 when he got a, he, I was off the bench in 36 minutes against the Spurs, gets the start against Boston, goes completely nuke, 28, uh, 28 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. You just have to have Saldale Dama on your radar. Those minutes are going to stick again, friends. I mean, they're, they're in such a hard way over in Grizzland. The other guy to keep an eye on here, a little more injury-related, Max Struess from the Cavs. He's been getting more opportunity. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell out of the lineup. They've lost old friend Karis LeVert to some injury as well. They haven't been able to keep everyone healthy. Struess has just, if the games are close, he's in line for major, major minutes. Can usually push 
around 40 if things are going right. Has shot the ball pretty well this season, rebounded the heck out of it, which you didn't think would be the case with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, but that's been there as well. So just a couple of guys to keep an eye on when it comes to fantasy stuff. Josh Lloyd, uh, fantasy basketball, has been helping you with uh, your fantasy championship for years. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit it's the same with your vehicle with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights roof rack bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or like this your money back plus these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebay motors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply All right, so as we continue to take a look at the offensive side of the Brooklyn Nets basketball team, we can say, hey, Cam Thomas, and when he gets back, and I do want to talk about him because I, I think there's this version of it where people say too small of a sample size or winning basketball. I'm not really concerned about him. I think the player that a lot of people have talked about, as have we, is Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different versions of this that we can look at, but I'll even just go at the highest possible level because actually when we talk defense, that was maybe one of the things I look at Mikhail and say, hey, want to see him dial it up over there. He's a 118 net rating offensively this season. Like you would think based on the, when we watch these games and some of the struggles that he's had dribbling, finding his shot, falling out of the rhythm of of the offense at times, but it turns out he's averaging 35 minutes a game, almost 36, 20 points per game. The assists are all in line with it. The percentages that we've talked about kind of over the start of the season, well, he's hitting over 38% now from beyond the arc. So like all of these little things are starting to round into form. And I think it ultimately just comes down to something that you mentioned a few episodes ago, maybe slightly in passing, but I know you meant it intentionally. He's played a ton of basketball and he played and he played FIBA in the summer. And I think maybe the start of this season has just been him like getting the NBA season legs underneath him. I I feel pretty comfortable saying that in another 10 games, we're going to talk about Mikhail being right where we expected him to be. Yeah, I think that there's there's probably a sea legs thing happening with him a little bit to, to, for sure. Um, like you said, the efficiency is starting to round back into form. The usage is not coming all the way back, so I think I'll pump the brakes a little bit on getting him to like 26 points a game or yeah, higher yeah. if you had if you had him projected for that going into the season higher because you just saw some like linear growth on his time uh, in Brooklyn from last year. I think we can probably pause that for now. I, I don't think that's coming back now some of that is just sort of shot redistribution to guys like cam thomas to guys like lonnie walker who are getting way more shots in usage than i think that we thought going in if you were really bullish on the scoring numbers Mm -hmm. but from the efficiency standpoint if we can see the usage climb a little bit with the like linear progression on this on the usage this season with the sustained efficiency which i think is like you said rounding back into shape I think there are is reason to think that like there's more here from Bridges. We've seen him getting into the mid-range more. He's snaking screens um, a little bit better to just try to find that shot. That was not really there for him early in the season. He's been, I see, I feel like working like over, not overtime, but working considerably harder to get those shots yeah, that yeah. he's very good at. I think we've seen that over the last two to three games. I think if that continue and, and those are just good shots for him. Like he, he can take those mid-range shots and you can feel pretty good about it. I think as long as that can continue, that's one way you can look at this Nets offense and say, hey, there's room for improvement here. um, Bridges is better than this. With a few more shots of the same efficiency, we should see the offense tick up. And I think that 
I wouldn't even call them early season struggles, but like there was just not, it, it sucks with that. It, it sucks with expectation with these guys. Cause the expectation is just so high, maybe even unreasonably high because the numbers haven't been horrible, but if you, if you weight them against your expectation, they look way worse. <laughs> right. And like that. And I think that's part of the problem with him. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like uh, we talked about this with Cameron Johnson. Could he be a 20 point score? And and he's getting his legs. You see this last few games for him too, starting to get up to it. Right. But it's like, to your point, well, Mikhail needs to be a 25 point score. Okay. Then, then, then you're disappointed, but he's scoring. He's averaging 20 points a game. And I think that that's, is that enough? Would I like it to be 22 when you and I talked about this at the start of the year? That's kind of where we thought 22, maybe 23. So yeah, a little bit better. Same thing for a guy like Cameron Johnson, but I'm okay. Or at least the track record with a guy like Mikhail suggests, Hey, practice patience here. And he's going to at least give you the consistency. The usage number is maybe where we need to adjust what the, what success looks like for him this season, right? Because he just may not get near, not only the same volume in the 27 games last season, but it's the same volume that we may have projected this year, especially with the emergence of Cam Thomas as well. The other thing here I'll mention in terms of the fluidity of these lineups, specifically maybe when it comes to Mikhail, and then listen, you can back out a lot of different things and paint different pictures here. But when Dorian Finney-Smith and Mikhail Bridges share the court, it's so funny, man. Dorian Finney-Smith has covered the gap here a bit you know, early in the season in a big way, and we've loved it. But when you put the two of them on the court, and you back out Dinwiddie, Cameron Johnson, Nicholas Claxton. So those two guys just functioning together. Now that can still be with a Ben Simmons. It can be with a Cam Thomas. It can be with Lonnie Walkers and the like. It's 106 minutes at a massively negative uh, net rating. Minus 22.2, 103 offensively, effectively, 125 defensively. Now there's a million other things here, right? Is they run sharp on the court during these minutes? That can be a big factor. Who else is helping you drive the, the offense? But it made me think about like the model of player and how Mikhail Bridges stands to excel. When Ben Simmons is in the lineup, when it's pushing pace, great. When you have an on-ball ISO creator like Cam Thomas in the lineup, that really helps Mikhail Bridges. When you have guys in both Dorian Finney-Smith and Mikhail who are athletic enough to do certain things, but they're not breaking guys down and slicing in between you know, double teams and blitzing defenses, it's going to create some funky moments. And I think Mikhail is susceptible to that in a way that we would say number one elite superstars aren't, but number one elite number twos, which is what Mikhail is, you're going to have those those lumps, I think, inside of your numbers at times. Yeah, so, like, one funny thing about him is that I think, you know, we all agree Mikhail Bridge is a really, really good offensive player, right? But, like, yeah. he's, not a, he's not a player at this point in his career, probably won't ever be, that demands, like, outsized attention from the defensive, from an opponent, opposing defense, right? Yeah. Like, they're not going to just specifically scheme against Bridges uh, in a way that you see sort of some of these other, like, elite offensive talents, right? Where you have to, like, think about throwing doubles at him. You have to think about, uh, you know, trapping, blitzing him, making sure he doesn't get through his spots. Like, I don't think teams are really that worried about it. If he gets his, he gets his. And I think that's sort of, I mean, it's been kind of the same with Cam Thomas too. Like he hasn't drawn these outside attention when you're not those kind of guys. And the Nets don't have any of those guys really at all. Um, it, it's always going to be a little harder on your offense. So then when you get these pairings, like you said, that don't have, they just don't have, you know, I think probably the way to put it is like, they just don't have any offensive juice. Like there's just not a lot of juice here. It's just, it's guys that are all fine. It's guys that are all, some of them are well above average or slash good but they just don't command extra attention from everyone. That's kind of sometimes a big story in the NBA is like who commands extra attention or do you just, if you even, or if you don't have one of those guys, you need like three or four 
way above average guys. Mm-hmm. So obviously we can look at the Jokic's, the Embiid's, the Luka's, like those guys, the even like Shea, these guys that just com- demand, I'm, I'm leaving a lot out by the way, but like demand you take a hard look ahead of time about like how you're going to scheme against them. Or you can have like, you know, the version of it. It's like, I don't know who's a good example of this, like the Rockets. Maybe it's like, you know, it's like Van Vliet and Jalen and Jabari and Shangoon. Like they have a lot of dudes out there right. who can kind of like, you know, it's it's like enough really pretty good guys to to make it so you don't need a, this one, you know, hub of the offense. The Nets just don't have that. So it's going to be really hard for them at times to find combinations that give the offense enough juice. And so I'm not surprised when you see some of these combinations like Mikhail and DFS. I mean, even Mikhail and Simmons have been, those numbers have not been well, great. Like it's. It's just not surprising at all, just based on sort of who they have. And, and it's funny, too, because you mentioned there with Ben Simmons. And, and uh, by the way, like this is overwhelmingly positive in the vein of needing to just figure out. And with the way the injuries have gone, no Cameron Johnson early. Now, no Ben Simmons, no Cam Thomas. So like the opportunity to overlap and fight the find the right, excuse me, combinations are there. Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges and Ben Simmons take away Spencer Dinwiddie. And I say take away Lonnie Walker because he's been on the court a lot for this team in their absence. Well, 56 minutes, minus 41, an an atrocious offensive rating of 85-19. Take out Lonnie Walker, though, and say, okay, but I want to know about the minutes when Cameron Johnson has been available. Again, that same three-player combination, it's a uh, 76-minute sample size. It's minus 25-39 because some of the guys, and right back at the top, right, some of the surprising players who have helped us along, like Dorian Finney-Smith, Again, though, when you put in another non-shooter like a Ben Simmons, it creates these problems specifically for a Mikhail Bridges. So it's why I like the idea of as this team gets healthy, knock on wood, they they will at one point be 100% healthy, you won't see Dorian Finney-Smith with Mikhail Bridges all the time. You'll let Ben Simmons do some facilitation when he's out there. You'll let an ISO scorer like Cameron Cam Thomas take over some things, and it'll open up some easier opportunities for Mikhail. So all of this to say, Mikhail Bridges is going to be fine. The numbers are going to be there. We just have to practice a little bit of patience. Coming up here in a second, we'll take that big bird's eye view. Are some of these surprising players sustainable even in reduced roles? What is going to need to happen next for this team to take the offensive end of the court and say, yes, we can hang our hat as this being a core component of our identity for the remainder of the season? All right, before we get to that, we'll tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. No better time to get in on the action over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So if you like the Nets here coming in on Wednesday, it's a good time to get in on that money line. We know that they've been, not exactly the money line, but they have been one of the best teams against the spread. Also, not a worse uh, time to just go up, going into Atlanta for you to grab a little Brooklyn on the road. Maybe some other people are sleeping on Brooklyn as well. Remember, if you win that money line bet on FanDuel, you're going to get 150 bucks. If you're a new customer, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action spreads, player props, over unders more like the awards markets. Good friend Cam Thomas up there on the most improved. Uh, I think he's fourth overall. Yeah, fourth overall on FanDuel and most improved. And Lonnie Walker finally makes an appearance. The NBA sixth man of the year. He's got some climbing to do to get over some of these other guys, but we're just happy to see him on the list. It's all there. For you on FanDuel, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off this season. FanDuel is official partner of the NFL. 
All right, so as we tie a little bow on our offensively-minded Brooklyn Nets podcast episode, talked about the defense uh, on our last episode, so go check that out over on YouTube, obviously, and also go check out the first-ever 24-7 streaming channel for national sports coverage. It's Locked On Sports today, and they've got you covered 24-7 with all of the great coverage you expect with all the local experts as well. So you go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe. As I tell you, the first ever breaking new ground, boys, national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, just there's a player that I want to mention here that I think is like the, the next wave of surprising players that, that overachieve a little bit and help feather the gap here. But do you think that this team can sustain this version of it? We talked about the defense yesterday. It hasn't been perfect. Maybe that rounds into form a little bit. But if we think the defense is always going to be a middle or backish end of the pack kind of team can can the offense sustain this can can they say we're going to win more games than we lose solely on the offensive production of this team i think what we probably end up seeing and these work in conjunction with each other i actually think we probably see the defense improve and the offense regress a little bit like i think there's going to be a meeting point here where which is to say i think this is where we like the nets end up living somewhere around 500 um hopefully a little bit above and I think I've, I've liked the ideas that they've been sort of trying to espouse with some, of, at least at times, with trying to, you know, jack as many three-pointers as possible. And, you know, and that's always going to lead to some, some, maybe some randomness in terms of, you know, where offensive production is. Right now, they're seventh overall in three-point uh, three point attempts on the season. So uh, and that's great. That's like kind of where you want to see. And by, and by the way, all the teams above them are, are teams that you want to be in company of Celtics, Mavericks, Mavericks, Kings, uh, well, not the Grizz, uh, everyone else, Warriors, Pacers, Nets. And so the yeah, I should have read that whole list before I said that. But the um, <laughs> the uh, not, not that team, but all the other teams. So I think that like that continued focus on that. I think that there probably is a little room for a dip, um, just in maybe the short term as these guys just continued to not play, like Cam and Simmons. That I think they kind of need those dudes. Um, but also I think the defense, I think has room for growth to go up and I think that that's going to end up being fine. So my guess is something like a meeting in the middle in terms of these rankings, um, with the hope that probably, I guess the better question is which one could you see being like really good of those two groups, the offense and the defense, if you had to predict which one had the chance to be maybe not elite, but like really, really good. Would you give the offense? Everyone's fully healthy in this scenario, by the way. Would you give the offense a better chance to be there or the defense a better chance to be there? Defense. The answer is defense because of the length, because of the versatility. And by the way, we say this all the time because of the track record, right? Sometimes we point to offensive things like perimeter shooting with a Royce O'Neal, a Dorian Finney-Smith. Career-wise, they've been able to do this thing successfully. Okay, great. Defensively, they have the bulk of the, you can make the case, the bulk of their roster is guys that have done it successfully at that end of the floor. And I think that that's okay. Like, it's all right to say you're going to lean into that identity. Offensively, I just think it's good. It, to me, it's going to come down to who who is the next guy that steps up for a wave of 10 games. Lonnie Walker is going to regress here at some point, and it's not a knock on him. It's just it's not sustainable, I don't think. So who's going to roll up here? The funny thing is, though, I will say on offense, I think the the viability of unique offensive individual talents, <clears throat> Cam Thomas, I think that that is sky high this season, right? There, there is this version where one or two guys, and maybe Lonnie stays in this category, they give you consistent high-level offensive performances, and it's almost the responsibility of everybody else to say, yeah, we're going to kick in some things at times on that end of the court, but then we're going to hang our hat back the other way and let you guys do that heavy lift, right? Like 
it, there's a part of this is like stay in your lane. Don't try to do more than you need to. And we can make the case for Mikhail that at times it feels like he's pressed for that, right? I'm going to do that little extra. I'm going to find that next wave. And already, I'll just throw in this note here because I think we mentioned it the other day. I had pulled up Spencer Dinwiddie. His perimeter shooting is closer to his time in Dallas than it is the other, every other year of his career. So if he's going to be able to do that a little bit here, right? If Cam Johnson gets himself going as he gets his legs underneath him, you can see these players that can kind of hand the baton game to game as long as you have the defense as like the core identity of this team. Yeah, you know, we didn't even mention Spencer. It's got glad you brought up Dinwiddie too because he's one. He's a guy that Nets fans kind of love to blame for certain things. Um, just oh, that's just been sort of the theme. I don't. I'm not sure why at times that kind of comes up more than it should. Maybe it's just his style. Maybe it's just you know sort of his overall demeanor. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's because he's like, on an expiring I, contract. It's easier to blame the guy you don't think is going to be here than the guys that are part of it, right? Like Mikhail and Cameron. You're, you're going to blame them and say come on, get it together, four-year contracts. Yeah, for sure. But like among guys that have actually played real minutes for the team, that's, uh, you know, Lonnie Walker leads the team in plus minus and Dinwiddie is second. Dinwiddie's got one of the highest offensive ratings in the team. He's shooting 38% from three, like at, you know, at six attempts per game. Like these are numbers are just, you know, good uh, by, you know, maybe the assists were down a little bit, but in general, his numbers have been pretty good. And I think sometimes he gets a slightly bum rap for, Again, like, you know, again, I think it's I think it's actually stylistically people don't like love it. And yeah. because it's it's not at times super aesthetically pleasing, but the results have been just good this season. I, there's no really no other way around it. And by the way, as we'll, we'll get out of here in a second, I have one more player I do want to make mention of here. But on the Spencer Dinwiddie note, players that are superstars, right? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm mentioning Kyrie Irving, not not in a negative way as being a former net, but it's like, hey, you can have bad look. You can take bad looking shots. We used to talk about this all the time, right? Like we, you could have bad looking shots. You could heave and chuck and whatever. But because we know what the ceiling is of your talent, you're willing to live with that stuff. With the Spencer Dinwiddie and the fan base, it always feels like, hey, you're walking a fine line here, buddy. Like, you know, you you go ahead and break a guy down off the dribble and drive the basket and get to the line and get free throws. Awesome. But if the very next possession, yeah, you take yeah. an ill-advised chuck and you do a heat check, it's like, excuse me, buddy, that's, that's not your lane, right? Like that's a good point. Have the that's cachet. a good point. Yeah, he gets judged a little more on a possession by possession basis than probably anybody else. Hey, look, that's sometimes what happens with being a point guard. Also, all right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, scheduling note: We'll be here after uh, the Wednesday game, doing a live. You know, leading into Thanksgiving. I don't know what everyone's plans are for Wednesday night, but we'll be doing some live stuff on YouTube. So make sure you check that out leading to the holiday. Um, in the meantime, make sure you join subtext.com slash locked on nets. Get in on the texting action over there. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast as well. Do you believe in this quote, Doug? Thanksgiving Day is a good day to recommit our energies to giving thanks and just giving. Now that's Amy Grant, but I'm more about consuming and taking naps. <laughs> One of the all-time great posts. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, 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 gobble, gobble, basketball, yeah.